0: Welcome to The Creative of Diaries. Today I'm here with Ed Knight. Hey, how are you?
1: Hello, I'm good, thank you, Kira. How are you?
0: I'm pretty good. I was really interested to learn more about how you got into comedy and what age you got into comedy. Yes. Just gone straight into it.
1: Yeah, I'm a stand-up comedian and I got into it when I was 19. So I'd been thinking about going and hitting an open mic or something and then one of one of my friends messaged me saying that he wanted to do it and he didn't want to do it on his own. Um, and Who asked was if, it? Uh, it's not a comic. Oh. He, I think that might have been his only gig. He's like a a playwright. And yeah, so I did that and really enjoyed it. Well, it was dog shit, but I left thinking that, the, that they were wrong and I should keep doing it. So I was mainly narcissism is how I got into stand-up.
0: And were you interested in it before you were 19?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've always been a huge fan of comedy. Yeah, yeah. And I'd been able to like the Edinburgh Fringe a lot as well. So like, yeah. Who
0: um, did you follow? What do you mean? Like, who's your favourite comedian?
1: Oh, that's such a hard question. I sort of got into it. Seriously, because like, well, I'd been up to the Edinburgh Fringe, but I hadn't like, seen a huge variety of stuff. Most of the stuff I'd seen in this country was because when I was quite young, I was like a young teenager, and like most of the <laughs> st- stuff I'd seen in this country was still like what was on TV, like Love like of the Apollo and that. So, or like whoever was on Russell Howard's show on like BBC Three at the time was like, quite popular when I was a teenager, so it was that kind of stuff. And it was when Netflix came out and some of my friends introduced me to like American stand up for the first time that I started really getting into it. And weirdly it was like I remember watching Kevin Hart laugh at my pain and really, really enjoying that when I was a teenager. He's not my favourite comic by any means. But that was like I've said like a lot about how it there seemed to be in the like the Netflix hours and the comedy that I watched, like Dave Chappelle was another big one. That like uh a, a wider breadth of topics discussed it uh, seemed a lot more accessible to me than like what i'd seen on love at the apollo or the, the Royal variety and stuff like that
0: Cool. so was that the first time you kind of decided what genres you would go into because you mainly talk about quite a lot of political stuff
1: kind of, well kind of but not really like i uh no not really i didn't decide i just like wanted to this is something i discussed i wanted to make people laugh and then the more I did it, like, that's what that's why you do comment. I just, I, you want to make people laugh. And you want, I like, for me, I like being on stage. It gives me a certain feeling that I can't really describe. I like being on stage doing stand up more than anything else. It's like all I ever want to be doing at any one time is being on stage making jokes. And I do talk about, like, political stuff, I guess. But it's, it's weird. Everyone talks about political stuff and it doesn't really get picked or, like, everyone has angles and spins in the stuff they talk about. But unless it's like, comedy makes it so easy to imbibe and ingest things without kind of realizing you only really get labeled as political if you're talking about like zeitgeisty buzzwords and stuff or if even they're featured in your sets and stuff like that i wasn't thinking oh i'll use this as a platform to like talk about what i think yeah that's never it's always the other way around it's like i can if i can make funny jokes out of it i'll talk about it i think well that's how i like to think anyway because if if you want to use like a platform to talk about stuff, then comedy, stand-up comedy is like at the bottom of your list. It's not like sexy or like transgressive or anything like that. And so, I, and I think that you can you can talk about like stuff like that, but if you're doing it in a stand-up comedy perspective, I'm not saying that a laugh always supersedes a point because that's stupid. But as soon as it becomes like in stand-up comedy terms, it sh- like it should. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: Yeah, there are a lot more effective platforms to use. To get your message out, but when yeah. it comes to like solo shows, Edinburgh shows, if I am doing Soho or Edinburgh or in Melbourne or whatever, then my hour is like my little corner of the scene where I can just do whatever I want and nobody cares because there is something out there for everyone, and I can just kind of talk about the things that are a little bit more I find a little bit more interesting and are kind of harder to talk about, like when I am just trying to make people laugh on a Saturday night or whatever.
0: Yeah, okay, I didn't know that's interesting because I always thought it was planned because. Basically because of originality, uh, so many comedians find it hard to do something original and and that's why so many shows I think are about their life. you know a lot of comedians talk about their previous experiences, whereas you focused on more political views or lately cucumber content
1: yeah, yeah, that's good funny new bit that's one of my new hits. I like my that. new single thank you it's um it's very like um it's it's just a lot everyone's a lot like or the people that are kind of come into to stand-up comedy are like you kind of i don't feel like it's especially like hour-long shows you kind of have to know about it and to like to know they're going on to come see there's quite like a barrier to entry for a lot of comedy on the circuit i think but also it's everyone's the kind of because of like social media and stuff in a good way there's everyone's got more, much more of a like a shared kind of political again with a small p dialect everyone's kind of you don't have to. If you if you want to talk about zeitgeisty stuff, then you don't have to lay the groundwork like you used to. It doesn't have to be at a political gig where it is people who have gone there to hear political comedy because everyone kind of shares the same. It's I, I just think knowledge about that kind of thing is more ubiquitous and more talked about, so just more people are. It's not like unique to me. It's just easier to talk about, and it's also easier to have takes about which is what comedy is all about like being contrarian and finding takes and twisting things around to make them dumb and funny and it's um i think just a little bit easier to do that with more political stuff nowadays
0: i was wondering do you get much of a response from talking about how your family's from ireland and your different experiences with ireland
1: kind of i mean when i started my first set was all about my irish family my first ever five that i did What turned into like my first five-minute set was because I wrote it when my nan was had died, was in hospital, and like I did my first gig was between her death and her funeral. It was very strange. And then like six months in, I found out from my granddad that my nan like hated the idea of me being a stand-up comedian. Really? (laughs) No, yeah. So I, I talked a bit about it, but not like I mean, fucking. Like every cunt in this country's family is Irish. How old are you now? Just 24.
0: Oh. So you've been going about five years? Yes. Yeah, like four that. and a bit years. And when did you take your first show to Edinburgh, your first comedy show?
1: My first hour was, uh, I was 21, it was in 2017. So the year before that, I did a half hour work in progress. With who? Uh, just on my own. Oh. At okay. the the Cowing House, which was a Gilded Balloon venue that year. And the year before that, I went up and did So You Think You're Funny competition and I was like up for the month and I was like working and doing like stage managing jobs and and I also had a I was like jumping on shows with Red Richardson was had a show that he was like bringing people on so I did that fairly frequently uh so I kind of did two years of like running up to it and then did my first hour probably too early but I was very much of the mindset that like I was going to be doing it every year yeah so I might as well just get started
0: and like what part of the year do you start planning for Edinburgh?
1: again there's no like me personally it's changes like uh there are there's no one way to do it i know some people that like prep their first show for years like they'll do a 20 uh, and then they'll incorporate that 20 into like a half an hour the next year and they'll incorporate that into a 45 minutes the next year and then incorporate that into their first hour or you know, some people like will start writing the next one as soon as they get back in September. I know people in October that were like, you know, let's get going for next Edinburgh but I'm always sort of like around January, February maybe I'll start doing my first works in progress and and start writing down some ideas for it. Last year was or this year sort of earlier this year was the latest I've kind of come to it because I was at the Melbourne Comedy Festival doing the show from the year before so I didn't really start thinking about it until maybe like april which was a bad mistake because i was still writing the show in the first week of edinburgh but again who gives a shit it's like yeah. it's my show <laughs> who cares
0: and what have you found has had the biggest impact on your career when you've been doing these different festivals and stuff
1: uh it's hard, i don't know like it's hard to to not look left and right it's hard to see the wood for the trees if like 19 20 year old me could see what i was doing now he'd probably be really really gassed but all i can think about is the stuff i'm not getting you know yeah it's like when you like live in a place for a long time, you don't see how it changes. But if you go away for a month or two, it's very stark when you come back. Like when you go <laughs> on holiday, and you know what, and you and you come back, and you realize the way you live has a smell that you just never noticed. It's like that. Like I can't because I've I'm I'm existing in my life. I can't see the like the ways in which it's progressing and uh, changing as much as I probably um, should. But I guess I don't know. Probably for for me personally, probably like doing edinburgh has been the best thing for like getting becoming a better comedian because i approached it from from like because it it is like a a job fair but the first year i went up nobody really like i wasn't like like one of the, the i don't think I was like one of the hot guys so i was very much like just using it as a way to experiment and try and Air quotes, like find my voice and just fuck around. Yeah, that's the best way to. For me, it's the best way to do it because you're doing thirty hours in a row and you're doing other gigs on top of it, and it's a really good way of like getting match fit. And then it was like the end of that year was a nice pat on the back to kind of every year in Edinburgh. I just consider it me trying to like distill what I'm like trying to become even like more. And what, every year what I are feel you like to I don't know, but I I think it's it's getting better every year and it's becoming more sort of consistent and like. And concise in a way, like I'm kind of. I feel like I'm finding it a bit more, and I'm finding it a bit easier to write, and like second guessing myself a little bit less when I am writing or being on stage. So, for being a good comedian, for me, Edinburgh is probably is where I like get uh, the most out of it. But it's like a it's a big trade off because it's like so fucking expensive. And I like, I lose all the money I've made every, uh, every September is like a hard reset for my life because I spend all the money I've made on Edim- Edinburgh and I like, so it's a bit, it's unfortunate, but that's probably what's been most useful to me. Yeah. And, and like the circuit as well is obviously really good for just getting really good.
0: Do you feel like last August you were one of the hot guys?
1: August 2019? Yeah. Not really. I no, mean, still not. No, I mean like, it's not like. No, it was my third one. I don't think anyone really cares about your third one. Like, it's nice to have people, audience members coming back, like recurring. That's a really no- that's 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 a really nice feeling. And uh, yeah, I don't feel like one of the hot, like the popular like up and comers, but I felt like I was like had at least proved that I wasn't going anywhere for a while. Yeah, you know, which is good enough for me.
0: Okay, <laughs> you have high hopes then.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've kind of planted my stick in the dirt. You know.
0: When you were talking a little bit about how what you're seeing is what you don't get, so you don't really reflect on the past and see how far you've come. It's more, you are you someone that kind of looks to the future a lot?
1: I don't do either of those. Okay. I'm kind of a day-by-day guy. I don't really make huge amounts of plans. For the fu- like, the furthest ahead into the future I'll ever think is Edinburgh, next Edinburgh. But it's not like, I'm not thinking about what I will do until then. I just know that it, it is coming. I do think about how far I've come, like, I'm very lucky that this is my job, that's crazy, I don't have to do jobs I hate anymore, but, yeah, I'm I'm not, it's like, it's like with Edinburgh, a lot of the successes in this job are very, like, the tangible successes are very few and far between, whereas the downsides, the L's that you have to hold are very immediate and appreciable like when you're in edinburgh like if you get a good review it's a nice feeling to have someone saying something nice about your show but there's not like a ticker on the website that shows you how many ticket sales that review will translate to and thus how much money you will accrue back for it whereas if you get a bad review it makes you feel dog shit. or if you have bad sales it makes you feel bad and you're spending so much money all the time and like the good thing you're hoping to get out of it is maybe an assistant producer will come and see my show and put in a good word for me in six months time but there's no way of me knowing that so yeah it's i try and like take note of the good stuff that happens i've got like a list it's pretty corny but i've got like a list of good stuff to like to reflect on because i'm the kind of guy that will forget about the good stuff and think about the dog shit stuff
0: yeah what were you doing before you got into comedy? Like, not Nothing. Th- I
1: literally just left school.
0: You just left school. Yeah. And during school, what were you kind of being geared towards? Were Nothing. you ever going to go to university?
1: Nothing. I wasn't going to go to university. Or I was going to like, I wasn't going to uni. I, know, I have a couple of friends that kind of like took a year off and went to drama school. And I was thinking about that, but it was very, very uh, too expensive, I, th- I think. Very expensive. So expensive. Yeah. And so I kind of, also I don't think I would have like liked that at all. I didn't really know what I was going to do. I'm just very lucky that I started doing stand-up like yeah. a few months after I left school.
0: So you find your thing fairly fairly early on, at least? Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to get an agent? Not long, because they were a new agency, weren't they? But
1: no, no, my no, the, uh, my old agent, my first agent was a very big established agency. Who I was, I got an agent fairly quickly by again extreme luck. So I had been going for about six months and. I did this competition in Edinburgh and I came third in the competition and so that was a good place for agents to like see me and stuff. Then also in my last year of secondary school, there was like an end of year school, like sixth form play. And one of the people dropped out a couple of weeks before and they asked me to do it like short notice. And I said, yeah. And it was like a comedy part when we did the play. It's just like a school play. Yeah. But when we did the play, there was one of the kids' mum's friends was a casting director who does like comedy stuff who then got in touch with me around the same time that I did the the competition thing and then and said, "If you can get an agent, then I can get you work and so then I got in touch with this agency that like they kind of provisionally took me on um and then a couple of months after Edinburgh. Uh, I like got signed up properly by this agency so I was only like nine months into stand-up but they weren't like a, a stand-up agency it took me a while before I had like a gig booker and stuff and um which I didn't really need while I was on open mic. but but I'm always quite like I used to think that having an agent was like the be-all and end-all and it would be like perfect from then on but it's never like it's uh, as with everything if you like hang your hopes on this one thing it can never possibly live up to the mad expectations you set for it so it's not I, I have a lot of people asking me like how to like a lot of new acts ask me how to get an agent and stuff it's not like it's not that deep like again once i had it there was all there was all sorts of new stuff i had gripes about yeah so i just i I was quite early on when i got an agent but it wasn't like a stand-up agent but they still like got me work and stuff and they were a good agency and my agent now is more like stand-up focused which is like just what I really want to. I don't really want to be going for like acting jobs and shit. I just want to be a comedian. But it's hard to just do that.
0: Yeah, because I was a bit shocked there when you said like, oh, you know, you spend quite a lot of money. Because I had no idea how it worked with agents. You know, I just presumed it would be a bit like, you know, when Soho Theatre put up an act in Edinburgh and they get the accommodation and they kind of essentially fund the show. Mm. And the actress has to go.
1: That's incredibly rare. There's one or two promoters or agencies. That will fund you like that.
0: I don't know if that's actually what they do, but that's what I heard.
1: To give you, like, to to give you an estimate, for example, of my,
0: you don't have to, by the way. Oh no, no, it's okay. it's like
1: so for my twenty for my twenty eighteen Edinburgh show. So I had like we'll say like I had to travel up and back from Edinburgh for like it's like one hundred and fifty pound or whatever, two hundred pound because they they jack up the prices for the fringe and the flat prices get jacked up. So we I mean, the guys I live with live in a three bedroom flat in edinburgh which costs three thousand four hundred, so paying like 1 100 for a, like a box room yeah. for a month in 2018 i was at uh what they call one of the big four venues and i had promotion and stuff and i sold out every single show like max capacity i'd sold out like 25 24 25 shows plus an extra show in a venue that was twice the size of my normal venue, sold that out as well, uh, and all the tickets are like between ten and fifteen pounds, or between like nine and fifteen pounds. I, put, I think I put mine a little bit cheaper so more young people could come. anyway, I sold out every show, sold out extra show, and I still ended up losing two thousand five hundred pounds, and that's not including the travel and the accommodation, so it's more like four grand I, like and like if you count like the living costs, everything's a little bit more expensive, I probably spent about two grand in that month just like being alive and know there, there are like extra costs for me like like alcohol and coffee and cigarettes and stuff but it's like probably a a, a spend of five or six grand for the month and i was lucky and like if i if i had not sold uh, that many tickets i'd be looking about eight or nine grand yeah so that's like i'm i'm sort of i paid off for the rent and stuff i'm like two and a half grand in debt and then it'll be my most recent show on top of that when i get the settlement so it's lots of it's lots of like Money. Yeah, I'm getting. My, I'm getting how myself. do you do it then? Huh?
0: How do you do it? Do you do you fund it through your gigs throughout the year?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I pay it back to my promoter. My promoter up, uh, fronts it, and yep. I pay them back. Oh, that's interesting. That's how it works normally yeah. with promotion. So I'm yeah, I'm in debt at the minute, which is pretty cool. Fun. That's how much I love comedy.
0: Can't imagine. Well, no, that's that was a weird thing to say. I can't imagine. Mm. It's 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 hard. Like an it's, anxious ridden person, I don't know how people cope.
1: It's it's very it's, it's hard to um then that's why it's so, that's why kind of Edinburgh and stuff like here in this country kind of tends to veer towards the middle when it comes to like the the richer classes, when it comes to the, the points of view and the stuff you will hear when you go to the Edinburgh Festival, especially I think when it comes to like theatre and stuff, I, I think will be gradually more and more kind of homogenous because... It's so much harder to fund going up there yourself, and there are like limited spaces on the free fringe. And then pay what you want venues and stuff like that, it's very hard to like if I hadn't got promotion, like then I wouldn't have been able to go up there because I'd have had to pay everything up front, which obviously I c- couldn't afford to do. And I'm still in debt and shit, it's still like it's not ideal, yeah. So it's it's just kind of and I'm very I'm, there are so many things to be lucky for. Is like to be like, I'm lucky that I grew up in London. So, like, I could live with my family while I was starting doing comedy. I didn't have to pay, like, I was, like, 18, 19. I didn't have to pay London rent when I was doing open mics. I can't imagine what it would be like trying to start doing comedy in London when you're not from London. Have to move in and that, but yes, I'm I'm thankful that I didn't like I give my family a, a bit of money in that, but not like London London rent. If if I, yeah,
0: is your family creative? Yes, yeah. Both so your parents.
1: Both my parents are like yeah. My both my, both my parents are freelance. They didn't really like my dad didn't go to uni either. He went like for a week or something and then left in like the seventies. Um And my mum went to like an arts polytechnic in the seventies eighties. So, my parents are both, yeah, freelance creatives, which kind of meant, like, it was very kind of, they say that, you know, they say that, like, you can only kind of, you can only aspire to be what you see, you know what I mean? Like, I was very, like, both my parents, were, like I say, freelance and working creative and that So it was that was all I really knew about. Like, I had no idea what, like, how to, more traditional, I had no idea about that. And, uh, it was, I was lucky that I had, like, parents that were calm about it as well. They understood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So but it's, it's obviously a lot different now than it was back then. Yeah. When you had, like, grants and stuff like that. But, yeah, they kind of, yeah.
0: So I'm going to give you, like, a mini spiel uh-huh. about the podcast. The idea when I was setting it up was I read this book. It was Sick in the Head by Jed Apatow. And he asked very basic questions just to see how people get into what they want to do. So I kind of wanted to ask what advice you'd give to people that want to get into stand-up comedy and what advice you'd give to your teenage self if you could go back and give yourself some advice
1: if I could go back and give my teenage self some advice I don't know I mean really not know when I was a teenager I was like I don't know how I was how I was like a a very misanthropic teenager I didn't write, do shit or like what I did was like play video games and listen to music and that was it really
0: have you changed? were you like you are now?
1: kind of but just like
0: did you have more hope? no <laughs> okay
1: less actually probably less okay yeah maybe like I'm a bit taller and hopefully less of a cunt hopefully I was like a, yeah, a bit of like a lonely idiot teenager. I didn't really do much. I spent a lot of my time, like, on the internet and stuff. It was them once One of those Zoomer kids. I've uh, advice from my teenage self. I don't know, like, just kind of, just don't be so worried about, like, play it by ear. Do, do kind of what you, was very worried about, like, perceived external pressure for a lot. And fulfillment of these abstract expectations that probably didn't really exist and now, well, like, the world is so massive and there's so many people, like, doing different things and everyone's paying attention to everyone and everything, like, all the time nobody's looking at you, nobody fucking cares what you're doing, just, like, try and do whatever you want and, like, make money, be a millionaire and just, like, fuck about and have fun because the world's going to explode and it's the same advice for people getting into stand-up comedy there's no, like, you have to, like understand I ha- I have people message me in that on Instagram or Twitter asking for advice on like getting into comedy. As a- had someone come up to me at a show and asked me, someone's like, "Oh, my mate hates their job and likes the idea of doing stand up as a job." So can they ask your advice? And I was like, "My guy, that is like for some people that's ten years off starting doing comedy. You have to. We all have to. If you want to do stand up comedy." As a job, first, you have to love just doing it so much that you will do any other fucking job as long as it facilitates you doing stand up comedy like I used to have jobs that i've like I've done a lot of stuff, and again, I'm lucky that I kind of found what I wanted to do early and I had help early like from my promoters and stuff that helped me make it my job by the time I was like twenty one or whatever twenty two you know, I'm, sta- I'm really standing on the shoulders of giants. Uh, and a lot of stuff has gone my way. But, yeah, you you have to be really hungry. You have to just want to do it. You have to be up for, like, getting mega buses up to the other side of the country to do gigs for no money. With, the, again, this hope of, like, eventual progression. But you don't even know. Like, and that's if you do really, really well. You have to, like, go and wait and line up outside open mics and message, like, email shitloads of promoters just to get a few minutes to stage. You have to really, really want to just do the thing. If you want to, like... If you want to be a stand-up, yeah, like just go to an open mic, and if you like it, just keep doing it. Just, just, just do, do the next one and the next one. Yeah, that's yeah. the only advice there really is. Just do it. Do it as much as you, there's not really any. It's not like, it's not like mu- like you can write at home and stuff. We think of ideas. It's not like music or acting where you can kind of practice and like go and see like a voice coach or whatever. The only way you can practice is in front of an audience. So just do it as much as possible. Like, There's there's not really a shortcut. That's why that's why Edinburgh makes you good and you are so fucking fit at the end of it because you are doing it in such concentration.
0: No, that sounded a bit like Oprah. Didn't she say something? <laughs> just comparing it to Oprah.
1: Yeah, I get that a lot.
0: Yeah, she said something like that. Like, If you want to do something you love, be prepared to do it for free. That's not a direct quote. But yeah, like,
1: yeah, it's it's especially with stand up, it's true because the money opportunities are going down and and it's very, very under with opportunities and over saturated with people that want to do it. So you have to be really, really fucking hungry. And and I swear on this, yeah, go for you it. You have to be as hungry as fuck and just like, and uh,
0: love a bit of casual swearing
1: and ready to just, yeah, just to like do whatever you can to, like I said, like, uh, I had a comic come up to me last night at a gig. And uh, talk about how they fa- they found it really hard to back themselves, like because it is it, you have to like look after number one and like be really shamelessly hungry and stuff. They found it really hard to back themselves when it- asking pr- promoters for money because they knew they would just do it for free. They themselves knew that they would do it for free because they just love doing it so much. And the rest of it is just kind of like pudding, you know. Yeah. And everything else that you kind of like, I do a lot of talked a lot of comics about like do a lot of writing work for for tv and stuff like that the occasional bit of acting or whatever and it is all just to facilitate being able to do stand-up comedy
0: do you do writing for tv a bit yeah are you aren't you working on something with sid saying
1: yeah that's not that's not like a, a when i say writing for tv i mean like for like I've done some stuff like the MASH report and yeah. stuff for example not oh, I like, saw that. Yeah. but not like um, that. that is just like a, a spec script that we're working on to pitch around to people
0: oh that sounds really cool because he was on, he was on the podcast like three weeks ago oh really I'm yeah. so sorry
1: why I was really scraping the barrel for guests with me and said. no <laughs> he was
0: great actually because I interviewed him in Edinburgh and there was just so much noise and that's why I went to Edinburgh initially and it was, he's a good uh, dude yeah
1: his show was really really good and a very good example of uh something being funny and political
0: His show made me cry because
1: it's a mad story yeah but that's a really good example of like a cross between the of like it being a story of his like a personal thing of his life but also everybody has like the political lexicon to to just immediately be on board with what he's talking about without any groundwork having to be laid it's a very very good show
0: i love intelligent comedy so on a lighter note, if you were on Graham Norton's red chair, mm. what story would you tell?
1: Which one's that? Is that like just the software If it was, was that's that on the, sofa sofa. the
0: Like they have the lever, they, they pull people off. Oh yeah, so, so you've you've got, you've got had a, had
1: they yeah. like so so if I tell a shit story, I would fall down the thing.
0: Yeah, I don't know what I'll do if you tell a shit story. So does
1: the story have to like be about anything, or is it? Just it
0: can be about anything. So I have know? to just tell a good
1: story, or I'm getting yeah. gunged.
0: Or, like, a bombing experience or whatever. Whatever um, comes to your mind.
1: i A fun bombing experience, uh, this one I'd, like, talk about, like, my first proper paid middle spot when I was... This isn't a funny story, it's just, like, a sad story. <laughs> my first, okay. My first proper paid middle spot, so it's, like, an open spot, but, like, you get, even, like, 20 quid or whatever. Yeah. I was really gassed about It, it was, like... think it was like the first ever time i'd have to invoice for money from a comedy show so i was really excited about it i was like just 20 years old uh and it was in like lincolnshire in this like tiny village and it was like in like december it was right near christmas and it was in like this art center town hall kind of vibe there's lots of christmas parties and shit uh and and like all the other comics, like the proper comics on the bill, were all comics that I like, like, really liked and looked up to and stuff. And so I was really shook about like doing badly in front of them, and like wanted to like to like do well and stuff. So I go on stage now, and I just tank it so hard, like one of the like like the most um, comprehensive bombings of of uh, my burgeoning career. It was horrific, but my, also my watch. I uh, ran out of battery while I was on stage. Mm. So I thought time was just passing slowly because I was having a bad time. Yeah. I thought I was just doing badly. And I'd run through all my material to absolutely no fanfare. Like, no. Not even, like, people being rowdy and chatting through it and not paying attention. Everyone was paying full attention and hating yeah. it. Um, having, like, fully digested it. They, like, made it, it was, they hated it. It was bad. And so I got through all my material. Uh started to do crowd work which went even worse um because <laughs> i gave him the opportunity to kind of jab back at me uh uh came off stage because i didn't get a light and i was like went up to the the mc and i was like oh sorry um uh i underran i didn't and they were like no you didn't you did like 22 minutes or whatever how
0: long were you supposed to do 10 Oh my Plus God. of 10. But like
1: my watch stopped and Shit. I thought it was just going agonizingly slowly because <laughs> I was panicking. And uh,
0: that's brutal. There
1: was only enough room in the car back for four out of five of us. So I elected to not be that guy in the car share because uh, I'd <laughs> fuck that. And uh, so like I had to get all these like winding country trains back from Stanford and Lincoln. And I only had enough money for a sausage roll and an espresso from like Leicester Station. And Why was, didn't
0: they flash you off?
1: I don't know. I'm not. Maybe I didn't ask for one. Yeah. Because like normally I set the timer and shit on my watch, but the yeah. watch like stopped. Wow. Bad news.
0: No, that's really brutal. Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: No, it's like it's just very kind of like it was like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Yeah. And it took me like hours and hours to get home, and like all the like the buses were diverted once I go back to London. Um. Yeah, it was. It was for, for a while. It was like. Like every time I did a gig with one of the comics that had been, it was like collecting infinity stones because every time I was on <laughs> with one of the comics that had been on at that gig, yeah. I needed to smash it. I yeah. was like, I got anxious again. Cause I was like, these guys need to know that I'm not fucking dog shit. Um But yeah, it was just like, that was like an early on, like really bad, really like that was like my first proper gig. Paid gig, and it was also my first, like, h- horrific death. um I've had worse ones since then, but that's slightly funnier. Okay. Like, I once got booed at Cardiff Glee because I took a a, stag do's, um, a fake chicken head and wouldn't give it back. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs>
0: it's, so it's so random.
1: So random. XD. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably get levered for that dog shit sad story, but it was. everything that could have gone bad went bad and uh but i was quite happy like in hindsight i was quite happy that my first instinct was like next time i see them i'm gonna smash it i want to like like do the next one yeah that's like i say it takes a certain kind of like special narcissism to 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 come off from like a room of 200 people despising you
0: Oh my! I didn't realize there was that many people. It was quite a lot of people. Yeah. maybe
1: not two hundred, but like one hundred and twenty, something like that. I was imagining twenty co- people calf. Yeah, like no. to come off from like a big. It was like a like a club gig, like a big art centre, to come out from that and to to your first instinct to be they are all wrong.
0: Oh, Ed. Fuck, <laughs> fuck them! They yeah. are all wrong.
1: Um is kind of what you needed a little bit, I guess.
0: Yeah. What a dark day for, anyway.
1: Still, still like got the money though. Yeah, that's a good feeling.
0: You should have invoiced them twice as much for twice as long <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, should have done, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you have a podcast at the moment? Yes, just in, started one. Yeah. In crud we trust. In crud we What's trust. What's the name well.
1: mean? Uh, so Crowd is like a, like a London. I'm not sure. It's like a UK colloquialism for like for shit basically. Oh. So if you're talking crud. You're talking shit.
0: Ah, um, okay. Never knew that. That's
1: basically it. It's just crud. Are you enjoying yeah. it? Yeah, it's it's nice to um, I mean like uh, Jamali. I do it with a comic called Jamal Maddox, and he messaged me a few months ago and said, should I start doing a podcast? Just cause, I think just because, you know, uh, we've both done quite a lot of produced podcasts, so, and we were both looking for something to just to, to do and yeah. just to put out there. It's kind of like you kind of have to do, just make your own stuff, and you only sort of get out of it as much as you put into it, and that's like the best case. So we were like call, cool, let's see if we can do something that is self produced. So I do all the edits and, and look after the SEOs and the hosting and all that shit. Um, and it's fun, it's nice to, to just have a uh, a low key environment to to chat about whatever's on your mind and not worry about fitting and like agenda that you're being paid for or whatever, you know? Yeah. Or about about staying on track. It can just be whatever we want it to be. So it's a nice it's also like entirely opt in to listen to it. It's not like a gig where you've got to be on uh we can just do the most like terse hour of dog shit chat you could ever imagine, and that's allowed. It's just a nice outlet for me and Jamali as well i like, it's my podcast basically, and I let him be on it yeah if he's if he's good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> where can people follow you if they wanna
1: Instagram, Twitter.
0: Do you know your handle?
1: At underscore Ed Knight, E-D-N-I-G-H-T, Ed Knight. That's me, Instagram, Twitter, all of that. Cool.
0: Thanks so much for doing this.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long.